from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, which is where you're listening. You are watching right here on Facebook Live, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. All of it's inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, and we're happy to be here with you today on Monday, December 2nd, our first official broadcast for the last month of 2019. So, proud to be here with you. Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory bring you what's popping every single broadcast. And Jay Bromley is at the top of that list. He's with us right now. Jay Bromley, obviously him and I spent a lot of time together when he was playing at Syracuse. And then the day he got drafted, we were on the phone. I'll never forget that moment and where I was. I was in my first home and uh, it was a great conversation with with Jay and and uh, obviously getting drafted by the Giants spending some time around the NFL and doing a tremendous job he has had success with Syracuse he had success inside of the NFL and he is somebody that uh, will always have a place here on the show because of the way he's treated me and because of of the fact that you know this is just one of those guys that you always want to root for and, and hope that you know all things go well for so he says his family's good that's the most important thing we're thankful for that today and we're thankful to have him on the show so to talk about Syracuse and so much more here's Jay Bromley Jay how are we doing today I'm doing good DT man thank you for having me absolutely man and and so tell us about the family for those that don't know you know what's going on with the family you're a dad so you know bring me into that a little bit uh yeah, man. I'm a dad. I'm uh I'm a dad with two sons. Um, I have a two year old and an eight month old, and I'm just as exciting as it seems with those two things, man. The two year old is just a uh, walking sponge and just imitation, but it's <laughs> awesome because he's so smart and helpful. And I couldn't ask for anything better, man. He amazes me every day. And my eight month old, he's just he's starting to he's starting to just hit those thresholds of doing things and has two little teeth. And, you know, so it's just you just watch them grow and just hit all these these different go through all these different plateaus and break through. So, you know, my wife has a handful, but uh, she she loves it. She enjoys it just like me. What's it like? You know, I mean, people can give you advice and they can tell you this is what it's going to take to be a dad, or it's going to be this. And now that you actually are, what are you learning? What's it like to be a father? Uh, it's an awesome experience, man. It's a, it's life changing in a way of you seeing things differently. You seeing how um, your 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 actions directly impact others, how your your work ethic, how your responsibility directly impacts others. Um, I resp- I'm a man. I'm responsible for my wife and my children, and um, I, I hold that with me every single day. And I have to figure out how to best put myself in positions to make sure that they're taken care of, and as well as teach them. Um, the way to lead well, you know, I have to lead well, I have to lead by example, I have to lead by, uh, you know, how I encourage them, and, um, you know, and you're learning from that, and when you, and it's new to you, so you, you have to develop, it. no one's a good husband, a good father, day one, you know what I'm saying, so you have to continue to learn and grow and learn and have good teachers around you, people that you love and care about that, are, that have done it, so that you can, you know, be better equipped. 
That coming from Jay Bromley here this morning from Syracuse Football History as well as the NFL. And Jay, for you, like you said, you're responsible for all that now. Any advice to, to people out there who are married or are parents or will be married or will be parents? Any advice that you're going to lend on anybody right now? Um, you know, you know, me, myself personally, man, um, and me and my wife, we're a believer. You know, we, we believe in God, man. We believe in uh, Jesus Christ, is, you know, more more, more directly, man. And, and the great foundation is always the, the great you know, part to any type of anything you're building, you know, and if when you, when you believe in the same thing, you have the same guidelines, you know, you can always reference back to the same, you know, ide- ideologies so that you guys can be on the same page. When most people get in trouble is when they're not on the same page because they don't believe in the same things. They, they're trying to build on two different foundations and that's never going to work because they're just, they're bound to collide at some point. So have a common foundation that you can build on that you both believe in and trust in. And, um, you know, love one another, man. Love is not just, love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment. And you know that being committed to someone means that through the good times and bad times, you you be there for one another. You know, so that's that. And you know what? I couldn't ask for better advice coming from Jay Bromley here this morning. So Jay's with us, obviously from Syracuse football history. Jay, covering this team for as long as I, as I have, you, I told you off the air. You know, when we were looking at the defensive line and all the success that it had. You know, you had kind of earned your keep. You were coming in in rotation, and then you you earned your spot. You earned a starting role. And then once you left, the team was starting to rebuild again, and it took some time, and there wasn't really an identity on the defensive line. And then all of a sudden, over the last couple seasons, finally started to happen again. Sometimes these things, you know, take three to five years. You'd like them to take, like Clemson, you'd like it to take a half a second. But at Syracuse, it's taken a little bit more time with Elton Robinson and Kendall Coleman and McKinley Williams and KJ Ruff and all those guys stepping up, it, it truly became something over these last couple of years. And I don't think that this season adequately shows it at five and seven. And I think that's because the defense was on the field the majority of the time. But there were so many good things that came from this. What does it say to you? What does it mean to you that right after you left, it's really been up until the last couple of years until this line really started to be scary again? What does that mean to you? Uh, I mean, it's interesting, man. Um, like I said, man, I wish the best for anybody that plays. Um, anybody I've ever played with, I always wanted to be successful. I never tried to downplay anybody, man. I was just a kid with um, one scholarship offer. That was the last person given an opportunity to play at Syracuse that year. And I just, you know, took it one day at a time. And I just wanted to get better every single day and learn from the older guys in front of me, like, you know, the, the Bud Trippies. And, um, you know, so... I, you know, me personally, man, it always just been about hard work and perseverance, you know, and then I was just fortunate enough to, you know, have the right coaches and be put in the right position to be successful. And I just ran with it, and, and that's all guys doing. So, you know, as far as it taking that much time for other guys to do it, it you know, it, it's, it's just a product of, you know, some of the situations they're put in, and, and, and they just have to capitalize off of it. And this D-line is hard. It's one of the hardest positions on the field. It's constant work. It's constant pressure. It's constant, you know, uh, battling with your body. So you have to just continue to grow, you know, in your body and then continue to learn the game so that you can learn how to play at different paces. You know, and, and for you to be able to do, you know, what you, what you did at Syracuse, what can you say about, you know, your maturation process and, and how long it took you to really feel comfortable good in your own skin, you know, do what you got to do. What can you say about, 
you know, you coming through Syracuse and, and, and how you grew and, and maybe how long it took you to really feel comfortable? Um, it, it probably took me to my sophomore year to really feel comfortable, you know, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, and, and after that, man, I, I was kind of ran with it. Do you have any other empty crates? So that coming from Jay Bromley here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Jay Bromley from the Syracuse and the NFL. You told you you said it took until your your sophomore year to to get there and to get comfortable. What was it in your sophomore year that that you know makes you kind of pinpoint that and make it start to click? Yeah, like after that, once after my sophomore year, I just kind of had the ability to you know take off with good coaching and the opportunity that I had. So I was able to just make plays, man. And as you get more confident, man, you start to make more plays. And you keep you keep going. And then they just start to stack up. And then God willing, the opportunity comes in other places. For for you, well, looking back on your time at Syracuse, what can you say about the coaching staff? Because obviously the coaches have changed over these last few seasons. Every three to five years, it seems like Syracuse has different leadership. So, you know, what can you say about your coaching staff? Um, I had some great coaches, man. I had um, Jimmy Bumbaugh. He was fantastic. Uh, you know, my first two years and then the last two years, it was Coach Dallas, you know. And it was it was great, man. It was two different coaches, but they taught me how to do things differently. Jimmy Bumbaugh was more of a technician, so he helped me really figure out how to compete at a high level with good technique. And then Coach Dallas just taught toughness. And when you look back on that, what can you say that maybe you're you're thankful from from Brumba as well as uh, as Coach Doust? Um, I'm thankful for Jimmy Brumba helping me understand because once I got to the league, I understood that what he was teaching was real. It was real football. Like all the good coaches, the ones that were worth anything, were taught the way he taught. And then. As far as doubts, man, that toughness, that uh, that ability to fight through anything and, you know, take pleasure in the pain, that was monumental. So that I could never give up, I would never give in, and that I can enjoy playing D-line as well as knowing that it's going to be a hard, painful position. For you, going back to Syracuse and looking at those days, what what's your advice to some of the guys on the defensive line? Because like you said, you had to get diff- you had to get comfortable, you had to come up. There was, you know, times where you had to kind of find – you know, yourself and your game and, and your comfort zone and whatnot. What's your advice to some of the guys that are on that defensive line right now? Um, You know, the season's over. I mean, as far as the guys that are leaving, man, uh, just know just hopefully you put everything you had out there on the football field. Whatever opportunities you have, whether it be all-star games or whatever, just, you know, take it one day at a time and um, work to be the best that you can be, learn from the coaches, and really just try to improve. As far as the young guys that are still on the team, man, learn from the season. If you didn't play a lot, don't be discouraged. I realize that every single year they're bringing in players. If they can get five-star recruits in your position, that's what they're going to do. That's just real life, honestly. It's a great look at real life, the fact that, you know, you you can be replaced at any given time by somebody that they think is better. But your job is to go out there every single day and work your tail off to be the best you that you can be. You know, I was never the most athletic. I was never the most explosive. I was never all these different things and I always doubted, but I always knew that I could play this game at a high level once you put me out there on that field. 
I might not be your, you know, your short superstar, but when you put me out there, I play football and I make plays. So realize what your game is, you know, continue to never, never settle and never be, you know, okay with what was going on or what's happening on that field. Always strive to be better. And, um, and if you keep that mentality, then, you know, you can constantly get better. What made you believe in yourself? You know, what, what made you keep going and keep pushing when, you had a rough moment when there was adversity, when the team was losing games. What kept you going? Um, I was, I was, I was raised, man. I was raised, I was raised, I was raised, you know. Um, I come from a tough upbringing. I come from, you know, a tough childhood. And, um, you know, perseverance is kind of like something that I, I'm used to. So when times get rough, man, I don't, I don't fold. You know, I don't fold, man. It's like I gotta figure out a way. You keep blocking the way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep moving until I figure out the, the way to, to get through the situation. So that that kind of second nature to me, and I believe in myself. You know, one thing you can't let nobody take away from you is your confidence. If they take that away, they might as well take your heart away because now you don't even believe in yourself. And that's the one person that needed to believe in them, that needed to believe so that you could be successful in anything. So. That's how I think about it. That coming from Jay Bromley here this morning with us, Syracuse and NFL alum, hanging out with us this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Uh, Jay, you said something that was uh, very compelling just now, kind of hit me uh, right between the eyes, and that was if, if, if somebody takes your confidence, if you lose your confidence, they might as well take your heart. Go into that uh, – a little bit deeper, how believing in yourself is is paramount. That you have to, you have to. I mean, there there really is no way around it, and there's no substitution for it. There's no way to be successful in anything unless you believe in yourself. You believe in your abilities. You believe in, um, you know, at least some of the process. You can continually learn and continue to grow and continue to add on to what you don't understand or what you don't know. But the most baseline principle of any type of success is to believe that you can get it done. Um, and, and I think that's very important for anybody. Like, whether you're Albert Einstein, whether you're, uh, Martin Luther King, whether you're Malcolm X, whether you're Barack Obama, whether you're, um, like, like Abraham Lincoln, whatever it is, like, all those guys had to have some kind of confidence. Or whether you're LeBron James or you're Michael Jordan, like Tiger Woods, like, they believed in themselves. Like unwaveringly, you know what I'm saying? Even to the point where some people might call them crazy, you know, but it was like, no, man, I, I think I'm better than everything that I've already done, or I think I'm better than what you perceive me to be. And, you know, that motivation right there from because, you know, you, outside sources are only going to do so much. Motivation is fading, it's fleeting. But like, what is your real purpose? Like, what is, what are you really striving for? Are you trying to change people's perception? Or are you trying to change your life? Well, and, that, and that's the thing. And, and you know, I, I ask you this in, in a broad scope because you and I always have these conversations that I appreciate so very much because wake up call is where sports meets life. And, and there's a lot of meaning behind what that is. And so for, for you to kind of go off of that a little bit more, you know, we find in, in our lives, in my life, in your life, in, in lives of people that are listening and watching right now, that, you know, in a romantic relationship, we tend to want to please that person and make that person happy to do what we can to, to do right by that person. 
and maybe it means giving up a part of ourselves. Maybe it, it means doing everything for them and losing who we are. Maybe we do that in a job. Maybe we do that with our friends and we lose our identity. How important is it for that to not do that? And if you are in a relationship where you don't feel appreciated, you don't feel valued, whether it's a friendship or a relationship, uh, you know, romantic or family or a job, how important is it to not just be happy with someone, but to be happy with someone or something as who you truly are? Um, back again, man, it all starts with your foundation. You know, I remember back, you know, back, you know, a few years ago when my foundation wasn't, wasn't, wasn't on God, wasn't on the God's principles and, and, and then it was always wavering. You know, I, I couldn't be a really great friend because I was always selfish. You know, the truth is I wanted the best for me in any given situation. Like, even if, even though I was a nice guy, you know, and that can be very, um, you know, blinding or very, you know, you know, just, just different. So you have to, um, have the right thought process about life and the right thought process about people. Like, you know, relationships are just that. They're not easy. Nothing about life is easy. Everything takes work. Everything takes time. Everything takes patience. Everything takes commitment. And it's, you know, especially your spouse, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I said before, love is not a feeling. Love is a, love is a commitment. Love is a choice. Because when you marry someone, you, you, the, if you have God willing, those, those sparks and butterflies never go away. But when they do, you have that marriage commitment. So this is why I committed to loving you until we die. You know, and then, um, and then love is a part of my commitment that I have to you that I'm going to look after you, shepherd you, take care of you, and, and vice versa, you know, through thick and through thin. So, and when you have the right foundation, you can, you know, really look at that from a bird's eye view and say that life is more important than money. Life is more important than things. Life is more important than what we do. And, um, but when you don't have that, people, all they care about is what they do. All they care about is the next paycheck. All they care about is what people think is a vain life to live. When it's all, when that's always going to be changing, like the style, the trends are always going to be changing. The money you make might always change. So if those variables, you got to look at the variables that don't change, you know, which is the people, which is God, which is the substance of why, you know, the purpose of why we're here, you know, so. I tried to look at things like that. That coming from Jay Brownlee here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And, and you said that, Jay. You said, you know, love is love is more than a feeling. It's a commitment. In our society, people around your age and my age especially, they don't commit. They give up really easily. It's all about them. There's a lot of selfishness. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to bend. Nobody wants to do anything for anybody else. How how do you how do you assess what what's going on and, and what you could say about it? Because you know, I mean, you're you're married now, and like you said, you got your two kids, you have your wife, you have God, you have a commitment, but you didn't have a great foundation in the past. I gave everything I possibly could to someone who ultimately didn't want to be here, and so you know, I'm single after having been married. So, you know, it's like I can come from one perspective of it, you can come from another perspective of it, but you and I have both seen how difficult it is to have someone really believe in what love is supposed to be and to go beyond the, well, what's in it for me? So I, I, what, what can you say about a society that, that needs to learn that, but there is a lot of what's in it for me right now? 
I think I think the premise of it is, man, is really found. Like I said, man, it always goes back to the foundation. It always goes back to what is, you know. It always goes back to God to me, you know, because like in a godless society, in a godless world that doesn't have anything to believe in, everything is a source of opinion. If God doesn't exist, then everything is just opinion. So there's no facts, right? So therefore, if God doesn't exist, what is love? Love is just a, a word. It's a figment of our imagination. It's not something that has any value. It's just something that people say, you know, but if God exists, God is love. What is love? Love is forgiveness. The, the, the English dictionary doesn't have enough definitions for love. Actually, in English, love is very plain. But if you go to different languages, love has more. Love is described in different ways. There's different kinds of loves for different people. You know, so we have to understand that, you know, that our our lives and our process is, is built around what God desires for us. And he desires for us to love one another. We're human beings. Like, we don't do well alone. You know what I'm saying? So we <laughs> yeah. need we yeah. need other people. We need um, you know community. We need fellowship. So that in order for us to survive, in order for us to thrive, and the reason why people don't want to commit, don't do it because, like you said, people are selfish. They're looking at Instagram, social media. They're looking at all the people's quote unquote successes. They don't realize everybody posts their highlights. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Nobody posts their lowlights. You know what I'm saying for the most part. And so you have to, you know, look at all that stuff with, a, you know, take it with a grain of salt because it's like that's not your life. You know, like you can't look to somebody's chapter 20 when you're in chapter one and look down to yourself, you know. So it's all these misconstrued perceptions of life and then there's no purpose in it when they think money makes you happy. But it's all these millionaires and billionaires, you know, whether it be commit suicide or something, it's not true. Right. So you have to you know, continue to to grow and continue to change and, and look at life, you know, at the right view. And, and it's awesome. I mean, it's a, that you said something like that because if money and power was everything, like you said, there's so many people that are, that are rich, that are powerful, that have it all. I mean, Kate Spade, I mean, there's, there's people that are, you know, it's, it's like some people look at athletes, but Kate Spade had one of these booming, amazing companies that so many women sought after and, oh my God, she's got a perfect life. And, She's gone, you know, I mean, uh, if if it was everything, then, you know, it wouldn't be so lonely. And I think what I found in my personal life is that when you ask somebody to give what you're giving and they don't, you know, or, or they say that they are, but they're not, I think that's the, the hardest thing is, is, you know, you shouldn't have to ask, I guess. And, you know, it, it's it's not a crutch and it's not an Achilles heel to love hard and to you know, give all you can. I think that those are the people that change the world and those are the people that make it better. But it seems time, it seems like sometimes time and time again, we get punished. Those of us who love with everything we've got and that do everything we can, we feel like we're being punished. But if you and I believe in a God that is love, then as much as we feel punished by the earth, there's, there's gotta be a reward at the end of all that. Yeah. I mean, um, I think the reality of it is you can, you don't lose you know, like you might think you're losing, but you're not losing. Like the reality of it is you're giving exactly what it is you feel is right and what you desire to give. And if that's love and if that's patience and all those things, then you do that. But you don't lose in love, you know, like it may, it, in the, you know, in the, in, the, in the physical, it might feel like you're losing only because you're not receiving. 
he's he's not you're not receiving you know nothing back as far as reward right now. But over over the long haul, man, you're giving exactly what you were supposed to, or, or or the best that you can. You can never get upset about doing the best that you can. That coming from Jay Brownlee here this morning, Jay. You know, you and I always have awesome conversations but before we get back into sports you know i i feel that you talk about reality and, and just being who you are and that's all i've ever been here for 17 years of broadcasting and 34 years of being alive so before we go to football can i just say thank you for joining me on this conversation that really to me is is bigger than anything else and and has really opened my eyes today and been very compelling so thank you for for having this conversation that we didn't know we were going to have today all right. No, no problem, man. Thank you for having me. It's all good, man. It's just life, and, and it's more important than football, honestly. And so when we do look to football and we do look to, you know, some of these things that uh, that I did want to get to this morning, you did something at Syracuse that nobody has done in a great while. It has been forever since this happened. Actually, the last time that Syracuse won three bowl games in four years was back between – 1989 and 92 back you know back a, a long long time ago you did it you went in 2010 uh, 12 and 13 won the pinstripe bowl twice and the texas bowl 2011 there was no bowl game the team was five and seven you were under doug marone for three years scott schaefer for one what can you say about that i mean it's been such a long time since syracuse has won three or four bowl games in, in a four-year span that was 89 to 92 and now here we are, the last time it happened was 2010 to 2013. You were a part of the team that entire time. What does it mean to you to be a part of that history and that success, which is something that's been very, very hard for Syracuse to accomplish in these last couple decades? Um, it's, I mean, just being fortunate, man. Sometimes you just land in the right spot at the right time. And um, having Doug Marone those years, um, having a good coach and I'm um, having being around some great guys that I'll never forget um, that we worked hard. You know, we, we believed in ourselves. One thing that we never lost was confidence no matter what team we were going against, no matter what the score was. And um, it was a great time just playing with those guys. And I always remember, man, that defense was something that no matter what happened offensively after that's left and all that stuff, it was like we didn't care. We felt like we were as good as anybody on defense and we wanted to go out there and fly around. You talk about Doug Marone and, and the success you had with him. What were your takeaways from Scott Schaefer? He was your defensive coordinator. He became your head coach. Normally that would make a, a defensive player extremely happy to have their coordinator become the head coach. What did you take away, honestly, from, from Schaefer's time at Syracuse? Um, Schaefer, man, he was just a hard-nosed guy. Man, he was he built up blue-collar guys. No matter how much talent or ability he had, he built up a blue-collar work ethic you know, around guys, and uh, we rallied around that. He was a guy that, you know, brought us around, had barbecues at his house, man, really, you know, uh, fed into the team chemistry and everything like that. So he was a guy, you you know, you wanted to play for. And for for you to look at this team now, like you said, when Nassib left, you know, the defense is like, we don't care. We're going to do whatever we possibly can. We're going to run around. We're going to fly around. We're going to keep being who we are. This year, Syracuse goes 5-7. and seven. I don't think that, you know, there's been a lot of blaming on the defense. I don't think that that's a fair assessment. From what you've seen, and I know you came up for the Pittsburgh game, did you think it was defense, or 
did the defense just have what any defense would have, which is fatigue from being on the field 95% of the time when the offense couldn't get the ball rolling? How do you look at this season? Was 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 there a defensive issue? Was it in the scheming? Was it not the defense? How do you look at it? Um, there's always a fair share of blame to go around when teams aren't successful. I mean, you know, like you said, man, the, the um the time of possession is always key for defenses yeah. to see how you know long you keep them on the field, the more possibilities they have to score. It's just the reality of the situation. I don't think we were as good offensively this year, um, putting up enough points, you know, the way that they wanted to in order for us to get the job done. Um, you know, I don't think quarterback play was great. I don't think the quarterback play was great at all. So it does didn't help, you know, the team in any in any any fashion, you know. So I was there when um DeVito had got hurt and the young guy he came to transfer from Juco I came out and he went out there and you know, went out there gunslinging and it was exciting to watch, man. So, you know, you want to put out a good brand of football, an exciting brand of football and, you know, and produce wins. At the end of the day it comes down to making plays. Offensively, you got to score touchdowns. Defensively, you got to take the ball away or make it hard. You know, make it really hard on people to score, make them kick field goals. So, there's always a fair share of blame um, to go around. It'd be hard to just say, "Oh, this, this, it was this or that." I think you know, overall, just has to continue to and compete and get better. When a defense is is doing good things, when a defense is creating turnovers as much as Syracuse's defense did this season with interceptions and forced fumbles and fumble recoveries and whatnot, when you have a defense doing that over and over and over again, time and time again, how frustrating is it for you as a former defensive player on Syracuse's team to see all these turnovers created? Probably none more frustrating, in my opinion, this year than the Clemson game where Syracuse intercepted Trevor Lawrence of Clemson on back-to-back possessions, intercepted him, and went to the nine-yard line and the two-yard line and failed to come away with any points on those two possessions. Just, you know, what's your takeaway is from that, how frustrating that may be, that this is a team that turned their opponents over. Win, lose, or draw, they were creating extra opportunities for the offense, yet the record at the end of the season is 5-7. and seven. That just goes back to what I said, man. Capitalization and making plays. Like you said, you can a defense can get all the takeaways at once, but if if the offense ain't scoring points, there's no there's no balance to it. There's no you know there's no you know you make it right on the on the others you know plays and abilities. Um, you know that just shows. I don't know if that's a bad play calling. I don't like you don't know. You know what I'm saying? It could be anything. It, obviously, Clemson is a very talented team, but we beat them what two years ago. Yeah. So they're beatable. Obviously, they're beatable. So it's hard to pinpoint one thing without really dissecting the film and saying, okay, they should have ran the ball more, or they should have played action, or they should have utilized a you know, quarterback draw or something like that. So it's hard to pinpoint those things. But obviously, we can say that they need to come away with six points in those possessions. Absolutely. And, and you know, they did have a defensive coordinator in Brian Ward who – had given up one, and I did a story about that. It was funny. I put I did a story about it uh, a year ago. It was almost a. It was a little over a year to the date when when the issue arose again in a big way. And kind of funny how it happened because I wrote it at the beginning of the season last year in September, and then I was sitting here going, "Wow, you know these these issues are still here." He ends up getting fired in the middle of the season 
But in his time as a defensive coordinator, and, and again, this isn't a witch hunt. This isn't anything negative toward him. It's just a statement of, of factual information. Uh, Brian Ward, when he was at Drake, gave up seven. Uh, I think it was seventeen point two points per game. Then, when he was a D coordinator at Western Illinois, it went up to twenty some odd points a game. Then at Bowling Green, it went up higher. When he came to Syracuse. He gave up 38.58 points per game in his first year, 32 points a game in his second year, and he was given up 60-plus or almost 60 to teams who don't score 60 to teams who didn't make bowl games this year in Boston College and Maryland as well. So, I mean, when when you see a defensive coordinator giving up 40 points a game, 30 points a game, were you surprised, first and foremost, that that Babers maybe kept him as long as he did? I mean, what's your takeaway? I mean, as a, as a defensive player – to know that, I mean, I know the player's got to play the game, but there's got to be something with scheming if a guy, every level he goes to is getting worse, and the higher he goes to and the better teams he plays against, it's not working even more so. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I think the the the, um, the misunderstanding is that it actually means, I think the misunderstanding and all that is that people think that people actually deserve jobs to get them. It's not the case. It's not the case in coaching, especially. Like, people don't deserve jobs. That's why they get them. That's not the case. The case is that you know somebody and you've been a pupil to them. You've been a part of their staff for X amount of years. It's back way back when, like you just said, the connection was Bowling Green. So it was kind of automatic that he would bring them there, and maybe he has hope that he gets better. But that's, you know, that's his homeboy at the end of the day, so... He's just gonna, he's gonna ride with him until, you know, until somebody tells him that he can't. <laughs> you know, so that's the thing about coaching. It really, it doesn't have much to do with how talented you are a lot of times. And sometimes it's just who you know. And, and have you felt that in life in general? I mean, you've been a part of the NFL. Have you felt that it doesn't always come down to talent? It just comes down to who you know and maybe who owes you a favor? So many different variables, man. It's life at the end of the day. It is. And life is, you know, a lot of times our situations, our businesses, our, you know, livelihoods are microcosms in life. And, you know, it, it doesn't always go to how many plays you've made. I've been, I've been on teams where I've handed, you know, when I, when I've deserved to make the team and every player knew it. And then I didn't make the team. It had nothing to do with what my stats it had nothing to do with how I played. It had everything to do with what, uh, one or two people thought. And that's all that matters at the end of the day, you know. So you can't you can't sit there and try to fight that fight. You, you lose until a person that you ain't even in the room with you. So yeah, you gotta just roll with the punches and, and believe in yourself. Don't lose confidence and um, you know, pick it up. That kind of brings it all back to what we were talking about earlier. That you know, if you do everything right and you do everything that you can and you give all that you can, no matter. What it is, if it's a job, if it's a relationship, it, whatever, or if you're trying to get a house, you know, maybe you're bidding on a house, whatever it may be, but that sometimes, no matter what you do or how good you do it or how perfect you could be or how close to perfect you could be, at the end of the day, somebody's opinion of it may may change it all. And I think the important thing is for people to remember, you're not wrong or you're not doing a bad thing. Sometimes it's just. You know the the breaks of having somebody on the other end that's unwilling to listen or unwilling to waver. I mean, it could be it could be multitude of things, man. At the end of the day, you can't control it, man. One thing Coach Schaefer 
told us, man, control the controllables. Yeah. I can't, I can't control what other people think. I can't control what other people do. I control how I play. I can control how I, how I think. I can control my attitude in any given situation. And so, you know, that's all I, all I'm going with, you know, like I said, I can't, I can't sit here and overthink. I've seen too many, a lot of players do it. 90, over 90% of the players overthink everything. And it's like, reality of it is, it's not that complicated to them. It's really just business. It's no different than playing Madden to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not thinking about your family. You're not thinking about your life. You know? They can cut you one week and then bring you back the next week and then cut you the week after that. And you do everything you were supposed to do. Yeah. So, realize that what it's at that point has nothing. It's not personal. It's all business at that point. And it feels like there is a coldness to that in life in general sometimes. That's, you know, it, it, it isn't. You know, to some people, they don't think about who's on the other end of it. And I say it all the time, and, and I don't think I've ever said this to you, Jay, but I always say, you know, when people say karma's a bee, I'm like, karma's only a bee if you slap her. If you hug her, she's probably a pretty nice woman. So, I mean, I, 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 what do you think about that? Because I hug karma. When I see karma, I give her a hug. I, I, I take her chair out for her. I'm never slapping karma. <laughs> I mean, you just gotta you just got to approach situations with the right attitude. Um like, you know, I don't personally necessarily, I mean, karma is just another word for you reap what you sow. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. And, um, you know, you have to, you know, put forth the, the right kind of uh, spirit in any given situation and then receive it when it comes back around, you know. So you don't, you know, you can't, you know, you can't defeat darkness for darkness. I defeat darkness for light. So be the light to any given dark situation and, and you'll see that. The darkness really doesn't even really want to be dark. It's just all it knows. So you have to embrace the opportunities that you have and and, when, and show love when you're in a room full of hate. You know, absolutely awesome words and and from Jay Brownlee this morning, tremendous words. For you, those words seem to ring true right now for Syracuse. Are those your words of advice for them? What are your words of advice for a team that tasted success that tasted what it was like to win i mean this is this is a team that is has been through so much the guys that have been here they've seen four they're used to three and nine they're used to four and eight they're used to losing upon losing upon losing four and eight four and eight ten and three five and seven for those that have been there with dino for those that were there a little bit longer four and eight four and eight four and eight ten and three five and seven what's your advice to these guys that are trying that are fighting and I think it's a common misconception that there's some people out there that call themselves fans that are like, Oh, the team's not trying. I don't think anybody's going out there going, ah, I really don't want to give that much effort. I would I would suspect that that's not the case with the majority. What's your advice to these guys who have been through so much pain just to taste a little bit of greatness and then to go through the pain again? Um be humble. Um, that's the reality of it, man. Be humble, man. Life, life has a great way, um, of humbling you and, and keeping you, keeping you from thinking you, you can't be touched or you're thinking you're too good. No, I don't care if you're Syracuse. I don't care if you're Alabama. Yeah. Eventually, you need to be humbled. Eventually, you need to realize that, oh, if it bleeds, it can die. You know what I'm saying? Like, eventually, you yeah. have to realize that. That, that you bleed and if you keep that reality always with you of the humility of humility humi- hum, humility comes with humiliation 
it's hard to be humble without humiliation, without feeling like, dang, I suck, or dang, I don't deserve this. You know what I'm saying? Whatever the case may be, you need that because that, that gives you that sense of, wow, I've been here before. And it's not that far away. No matter how high the mountain is and you get to the top, the fall is like a second. So you keep that reality with you, man, and you realize that football is not a privilege. It's nothing that you're owed. It's an opportunity that you have, you know, through the grace of God that because of the ability and talent that you have. But it's not a privilege. Nobody deserves to play football. It's just that we have an opportunity to do so, you know, thank thank God that changes our lives and we need to utilize that to the best of our abilities. And then when it's when you know, for as long as we can. You know, for as long as you can. So just take that with you and be humble and take it one day at a time and you know, don't think too far ahead. There's a bunch of D linemen start the whole starting group are seniors and moving on. McKinley Williams from the inside, KJ Ruff from the inside, and defensive ends Kendall Coleman and Elton Robinson. Words of advice for these guys, Elton Robinson and Kendall Coleman were on a bunch of watch lists. What are your thoughts on on Coleman and Ruff, Robinson and Williams as they step forward? Thoughts on them from maybe what you've seen? And then secondly, words of advice from a guy who played on the defensive line at Syracuse and made it into the NFL? Um, I can't even see and try to pinpoint, you know, different things that I've seen. Um, I would have to go back and really take a look at the tape and really, you know, just be more, you know, uh, aware and just, you know, break it down more. But just some overall advice, you know, from a guy like myself, man, I would say, don't get caught up in the um, the whole hype of going somewhere to train and thinking that's going to make you that much better. It's not. Um, you know, it's probably better to stick with the people you've been working with for four or five years because they know your body, they know how strong you are, and they can probably help you get to, to maximize that. So don't overthink that stuff because you want to be like the other big-time guys. Um, that's a mistake I made. And, um, you know, thoroughly investigate these agents you know what i'm saying like you know really you know I, most of them you know are, are not you know great you know at what they do and, and and honestly for your rookie deal especially if you're drafted like they really don't do much of anything you know yeah. that you're paying them for so really you know thoroughly investigate that process and, and do your due diligence with these people and um you know take them one day at a time trust the process you know what I'm saying? And realize that this can change your life depending on how you go about it. And um, be grateful. Love your family. Love the people that love you for you, not just because of what you're about to do. And realize that just because someone has a title don't make them entitled. Coach Wheatley told me that. And um, what that basically means is, like, man, you know, especially if you're drafting and you're making some money, like, people come out the woodworks wanting money or just then a third, man. Look, everybody, every grown-up person chose their life. Yeah. Every I don't care. They had traumas. They had this. This happened. This happened. Guess what? The same stuff happens to everybody. Like everybody has traumas. Everybody has disappointments. Some some things are worse than others. But the truth is, everybody the life that they have, they chose. And if they're not where they want to be, it's because sometimes they were too lazy. Sometimes bad things happen. It's true. But you can't change that. If you want to help people, help them because you love them and you want to help them be better. Teach them how to fish. Don't give them fish. Every now and again, it's okay to give somebody a couple of dollars, but teach them how to fish because it's the only way they're going to really respect it because people don't respect money that's not theirs. So those are my few words, man. I hope 
those guys the best of luck and uh, to be successful and to just, you know, take the league by storm, God willing. And you talk about faith, you talk about God. I think the final piece here makes the most sense for me to just open the door and let you speak on what faith means to you and what you can say about it, especially in a world where I believe, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a time, there's never, I mean, let me rephrase, there's never been a time where the world d- doesn't need God, but it seems like people are getting away from it more and more so now. What can you say about your faith and, and what God means to you? <clears throat> um, God is very important, man. I, I think, you know, as, like I said before, it's the foundation as the centerpiece of your life. It's something to always resort back to. Um, a lot of our laws come from, you know, biblical principles. And when we build off this book, because we do it because for a purpose, we do it because it's the right thing and it's true. Um, the biggest, the biggest thing, the greatest thing that the, the devil ever did was convince the world that he didn't exist. So therefore, he would try to take away. If you, if you, if you don't think the devil exists, then you, then you no longer can apply him to things happening. And he's very subtle. He's very deceptive. Um, what God does for me is help me realize that if darkness exists, that means light exists. And every movie kind of paints the picture that darkness is somehow more powerful, but. It's, that's not the truth. God is more powerful. He's enduring. He's love. He's mercy. His grace. And then if we would give our lives to Him, if we would transform our lives, and we would continue to grow in Him, that we we could too overcome the darkness in our lives, the traumas, the disappointments. You know what I'm saying? The mistakes. So you know, God is just uh, 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 something to always. I can I can put my life up next to Him, and I can see how much I suck. But in the same token, I put my life up next to him. I can see how much I've grown. And that is always the template in which I'm putting my life up to. I'm not putting my life up to people because all people suck. So I don't want to do that. I'm not measuring myself. That I measure myself next to what God desires me to be and then continuously grow as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a child of God to that level. That coming from Jay Bromley and all the words today that Jay's had to say, obviously, uh, they're going to make me stop, go back, listen to this again and, and learn something. Jay, I I don't know if you know this, but what you, what you spoke today, not only speaks to my heart and to my mind and to my soul and who I am, but it, it speaks to, it speaks to a lot of situations in people's lives right now. It speaks to situations in mine. So again, I want to thank you for it. I always love having you on. I look forward to having you back soon. Hopefully you and I get to be in the same room at some point soon because it's been a while, but I really do respect you and I respect the the words that you brought to the show today. You too, man. I appreciate you for having me and I'm very grateful. Every opportunity I have to, to speak to you and to, to speak to your fan base, man, I just God bless you, man. I wish you nothing but success. Same to you, brother. God bless you and I'll talk to you soon. Go take care of them kids and that wife of yours, all right? <laughs> all right, without a doubt. All right, man, take care. Have a good day. You too.